Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Nancy. And my name is Matthew. And this is the podcast where Matt and I talk about movies we watched growing up together. This week, we are continuing our summer blockbuster project and treating our listeners to a discussion of T2, Terminator Judgment Day, and uh, later in the podcast, I will be talking about Point Break. But before we get started, I need the listeners to know, Matt and I saw these movies together in the theater the same week in July 1991. I have a very vivid memory of this. I don't know if you will agree with me that you went to both of these movies or not. I did. You did? I did, did see them okay. both in the theater. Thank you. Yes. yes. And and that and you were you were twelve, so if you were gonna see them in the summer, it, it would have been with me. I was 12. going into junior high. Yeah, so and and we wanted to see these and uh, a girlfriend of mine, um, Amy, saw point break with us too. Um she may she may have even gone to T too, I can't remember. Um but we spent a lot of time together in the summer, so but yes, and then other fun point. I actually saw three movies in the theater that week, and you won't believe this, Matt, but Mom and Dad and I, and maybe you, saw Regarding Henry that weekend I did in the not theater. See rega- I did not go to see okay. Regarding Henry. Mom and Dad and I went. So the it was a very busy movie. It was a very busy movie-going week for me in summer of 1991. I can only recall two movies that I ever saw in the theater with Dad. Dave. Dave, we saw that on anniversary or some sort of holiday. We all went out to dinner, and then we all saw Dave. And then my wife and I went with Mom and Dad to see This is the End, because my dad wanted to see it. That was a crazy Father's Day. I think we'd gone bowling earlier. This was just a few years ago. It was Well, that yeah, because that movie hasn't been out that long. And, I mean, as long as some of the movies we talk about. There were some uncomfortable moments. And then some that were hilarious because I saw them with my mother and father. Yeah. So um, it was fun. I, I skipped that movie. I, it was not up my alley. So That group is not your favorite group of comic actors, I believe. So anyways. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we've got, we are, we are really opening like a time capsule this week. Um, you know, thinking back to our, you know, early teenage selves and, um, visiting yes. movies that we really speaking, we speaking really did we, we really <laughs> did see these in the theater like the same week it was i was so excited to pair these up because i was like ah we we watched them at the same time so we got to talk about them again at the same time well and i think that was also like like summer blockbuster movies have been kind of a big thing for you know for a while but it's, it really feels like for us in our lifetime, like since 1989, like 89 was like that huge summer where like do the right thing and Batman and Indiana Jones, the last crusade and like a bunch of big movies came out. And then it just turned into like, from that point on, like what is coming out this summer to blow us away? And it's always been the tradition is kind of action packed kind of summer blockbuster movies. And in the last 20 years you had, the Marvel movies and Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious movies and, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So and you can plan your viewing 
far in advance when you know what what certain franchises are going to have their next release. Yeah. I mean, Marvel was certainly the big one for us. Yeah. Well, and it always felt like June was kind of the big thing at first. Like, Jurassic Park was out in June. These were July. And it, now it's just getting earlier and earlier. Like, then it was, like, May. Because, like, Memorial Day weekend was huge. I mean, and, you know, Star Wars really kind of started the May thing. Really kind of felt like the last 20 years, it keeps getting earlier and earlier to where, like, even March, even though that's not the summer blockbuster time, big movies are coming out then, too. So. Did, didn't one of the Captain America movies come out as early as, like, mid-April? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so they're just like, and I think they're trying to like create multiple big weekend waves, especially if like a similar franchise has two or three releases in the same summer. You know, you don't want them to compete with each other, so space them out every couple months. Especially for like when you have a studio like Disney that is like pumping out tons of movies all year long. Yeah. They are very strategic on making sure that one movie doesn't come out too close to another movie, which is why like the whole Fox merger ended up kind of being kind of crazy because there's a movie coming out hopefully this August called the new mutants. That was, that's going to be like the last mutant movie that Fox put out. Like like X-Men. Yes. And it was supposed to come out two years ago. Oh, so the movie's been, like, on the shelf for, like, two years, and the hope is that it's going to come out this August, and the possibility of people going into movie theaters by this August, at least in California, is pretty rare, and considering how big the market is in California for yeah. movie openings... Not going to happen. The, I mean, I'm a lot of people are speculating it might go directly to On Demand, which... Mm. I guess it's better than not getting a movie until the pandemic's over, but yeah. well, I it's saw... not the it's not the way. I mean, televisions right now and sound systems are so much better that you can kind of get away with probably sneaking in some of these summer blockbuster type movies at home. You know, mm-hmm. with surround sound and and even the quality. If if you're thinking about it, the quality of your screen is better than what you would see in the screen on a in the movie theater in a lot of ways because it's clearer. Mm-hmm. There's still nothing like going to the theater and getting your snacks and sitting in your chair and, like, the anticipation and the excitement because you know, like, everyone in the theater hopefully is, like, just as excited as you. And then, no offense to people, but then there's always that screaming baby that you just want to shove popcorn in their mouth to, like, shut them up. (laughs) So. Well, I I just saw today that um, Top Gun, which was supposed to come out, I think it was this year, moved to next next summer. Yeah. It's not coming out until next July. I, I could have sworn it was going to be like Memorial Day weekend this year yeah. or something like that, and then it got it, it. It was a lot of the summer movies like Black Widow and Wonder Woman were have all gotten pushed back to like October, November, and now a lot of them might get pushed to like beginning of next year, all depending on how everything goes. So wear a mask, people. Stay so inside if you don't need to leave. So aren't you, know? you happy that Marvel ended last year? Star Wars ended last year. Harry Potter ended a few years ago. I mean, some of these mm. really big franchises kind of wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, you've got, like, the prequel series of Harry Potter movies, which I've only seen the first one. I'm not that impressed. I do really enjoy, you know, I'm not, like, a super fan, but I'm entertained by those movies, by the Harry Potter movies. 
there's a lot of things also that have gotten pushed back that, you know, I'm kind of sad about. I mean, Bill and Ted, I'm excited about that, mm-hmm. and I guess they're still planning on that coming out, and I'm, I have a feeling like they're going to release that on demand no matter what. You know, they're going to at least get a theater, you know, what they're calling is like theater at home or mm-hmm. whatever they're doing. But like Mulan, like all, a lot of the Disney ones, big picture ones, they, they all got pushed back. Yeah. But you know what? As long as the Hollywood machine doesn't come to a full stop, I'm really anticipating a lot of animated movies to just kind of start coming out because Could be. anim- animators yeah, you can work from, from home. And you can animators can work from home and it's a little harder, but it can be done and they'll just start drawing masks on all the cartoon characters. Something, I don't know. <laughs> or just pick I would love it if um, they took a like someone made a movie by taking clips from other movies, but got the actual actors to overdub. Like, make a new movie with Keanu Reeves, but use all the... Use shots from, like, Point Break and John Wick and Devil's Advocate and Constantine and all that. And even even if his hair is changing lengths from shot to shot. Oh, and it would. <laughs> that would and be, his facial that would hair. Become, his, that would be he, crazy. He would start growing out the weird facial hair that he's adapted in his older age. Yeah. That would be random. That would be funny. That would be funny. The one thing I also wanted to mention, and um, I don't know if the charity is still going on, but in the last like couple weeks, this like super cut of Princess Bride done by 88 actors has been going around. I don't know if you it's saw It's hilarious. That. It is so funny. But, but I just figured out, like, I didn't, someone sent it to me, I watched it, and I didn't realize what it actually was. That's a super cut of... 88 actors doing it but if you go to the actual website the whole movie is being done it's the entire movie so you see these different scenes being done by different actors playing the all the roles of a princess bride Mm -hmm. and but you can pretty much watch the whole movie and if you um i went online and watched um the only scene I watched is called A Battle of Wits, and it's the mm-hmm. scene when Wesley... It starts off with the scene of Wesley climbing up the cliffside about to fight Indigo, mm-hmm. and it's Jack Black, and mm-hmm. um, what's his name? Uh, the guy who was in Star Wars Rogue One. Luna? Aaron? Uh, oh, Diego Luna? Diego Luna. And Diego Luna is... is uh, um, Indigo and Jack Black is is Wesley, and they nail that scene. They <laughs> nail it. And then later is um, when Wesley and Vecini have their battle of wits over the poison, mm-hmm. and it's John Hamm as Wesley and Patton Oswald as <laughs> as Vecini, and it's great. And then later, later in that, the, later in the clip, that, doesn't Carrie always play Humperdinck? I think so, but 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 so that's in another another yeah another section of it. But that whole thing was is was to benefit World Central Kitchen, which is a um, to help provide food for essential workers. Oh, so um, if you're into charities, check it out and give them some support. Cool. But uh, but yeah, I've talked enough about all these other things. We've got we've we've we're babbling. We're babbling. It's okay. I'm about to babble a lot more, though. So, Take Terminator 2. Terminator 2. Terminator 2. The second film in the Terminator series of movies. We talked about 
The Terminator, which came out in 1984. We talked about that a few weeks ago with our friend of the podcast, Sherry. And um, I gotta tell you, Nance, we watched Terminator 2 the other night to get ready for the podcast, and it inspired me to do some extra credit. And from the moment we watched The Terminator a couple weeks ago up until this morning... I have watched five of all six Terminator movies. <laughs> wow. So which one have you not seen? I have, I have seen them all, but I did not re-watch um, the fifth Terminator movie, Terminator Genesis. I could not find access to that one. Who was, was um, it, which one had Christian Bale? That's Salvation. Okay. So... So wow. let's talk. Let's talk about Ooh. Terminator Two first, and yeah, then then we'll, the, the then we'll get into this. Let's get then oh I'll boy. get into to this. So extra credit, <sighs> and and I figured I might as well do this now because we probably won't talk about any other Terminator movies. Yeah. <laughs> after this, we're wrapping but, that up. Yeah, but so Terminator Two came out in 1991, as Nancy stated earlier, mm-hmm. and it written and directed again by James Cameron with. Uh, visual effects by Stan Winston and again we are kind of in a similar it's pretty much a similar kind of thing as the first Terminator where a Terminator has been sent back in time to kill this time John Connor who is now born but John Connor from the future has sent back a protector but this time the protector is another Terminator that has been reprogrammed that is the Terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just to give you the brief synopsis of this, a cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her teenage son, John Connor, from a more advanced and powerful cyborg. That is the IMDb brief description. And like Nancy stated before, we saw this in the theater... It was pretty badass seeing this in the theater at the time. Yeah. And I remember um, seeing a lot of kind of like documentaries about visual effects and computer graphics in the 90s. They always used this as like the sample mm. because what this movie did was really, you know, before Jurassic Park, this really put digital graphics to the forefront, you know, where things were being done in the computer in ways that they weren't being done a lot in other movies. And uh, the character, that the new character that we get to see, played by Robert Patrick, is the T-1000, which is the Terminator that is hunting John Connor in this movie. And he is faster, more lethal, and what makes him different than the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, the, T-1, the T-800, is... He's made of liquid metal, so he can change shape. He can, you know, get in and out of places a little easier. But also, he can't he can't turn himself into a gun and shoot John Connor. But he can turn his body into like knives and daggers and stuff, and like start stabbing at him. And so that becomes like a cool fighting aspect. Yes, and he also has the incredible luck of adopting the identity of a white cop to start off. And he's able to, like, (laughs) drive around as, you know, this cop, 
So he's already kind of, he didn't do the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, motorcycle biker look. He became a cop. So, you know, he can blend in like at the mall and, you know, go to his foster parents' house and be very unassuming because he's right. a cop. Well, and use um, use the tools, you know, that police have to track someone down. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the first movie, he had to use this really techno- like this technological phenomenon known as the phone book mm-hmm. to find Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> But, again, one of the big differences between this movie and the first movie is John Connor is alive now. He has, I feel like you 14, know, maybe? Let me, I'll get to that in a be, second. Okay, because... Let, let me get, let's get to that in a second. Because there's, so, there's a question I have for you about okay, ages. Yeah. Cause no, 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 no. Wrong. We will, oh, trust me. Okay. I will get to that. Thank you. <laughs> and so we get to meet John Connor, played by Ed Furlong, who... Um, has kind of fallen off the radar. He did some um, other movies in the 90s. One um, that I really like called Pecker is a John Waters movie where he's a young photographer. Mm. Um, That's a fun movie. It's got its typical John Waters-esque kind of things to it with, you know, a little bit of raunch and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatnot. But Edward Furlong, um, so he plays John Connor, and... He freaks out when the ter- when Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, comes to him, you know, to protect him, yes. which is a very strange kind of thing. But that theme kind of continues on in all of the Terminator movies, wow. which I will will go over. But upon, you know, after they've had their brief kind of introduction with each other, they realize that they need to go and find Sarah because Sarah has changed. We do not see the Sarah Connor of 1984 going to Tech Noir, you know, waitress in a diner. No, 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 no. Her hair is straight. Her bangs are too long. You know, those are the, that's what she looks like now. And she's ripped. ripped. She is ripped. (laughs) And we find out that after the events of the first film, she does everything she can to prepare John to lead the resistance. Mm-hmm. And everything from gathering and learning how to use different kinds of weapons, how to fight, how to get connected with other people. And she's gone to, like, South America to, like, learn all this, like, guerrilla warfare crap. And, I mean, it's crazy how she, she has morphed into a complete badass Unfortunately, she had a run-in with the authorities and was sent to a, I guess, a mental hospital. Well, didn't she try to blow a prison, up? Mental prison. She what, tried to blow something up. Well, wasn't yeah. it, wasn't it, um, what's the name of the company? That, Cyberdyne? Yeah, didn't she try to blow it up? And then she, tried she to blow, yeah. Then she shot a cop or there was something like that. And that's yeah, she got, she got sent away and she went to a mental facility. And lo and behold, the same psychiatrist that we see in the first Terminator that think it's interrogating Kyle Reese happens to be the same guy who is her doctor at the, at the asylum. But John and the Terminator go to break her out. Well, so is the T-1000. They go there. And, um, I'm just going to say, I think the whole, like Sarah breaking out of prison scene might be my favorite scene. It's got a yeah. lot of suspense. Yeah. It's got some really good action. 
And it's probably, like, one of the few scenes that really still kind of feels like the first movie to me. There's not a ton of people, and it's they're in, like, kind of a tight space. It almost feels almost like the, the scene in the uh, police station. Mm-hmm. You know, her trying to get out and, you know, with the Terminator chasing her kind of thing. So I think that might be my best, my favorite scene. But that's where we meet her. And the opening scene where you meet her is great. She's taken her bed, turned it sideways. So the foot of the bed that sticks out is like kind of above her. And she's doing pull-ups on mm-hmm. it. And you just see like her muscles pop and everything. I mean, it is, she's a badass in this yep. movie. She's definitely my favorite character in this movie. Mine too. Yeah, she just she's just a badass. So they break out Sarah. The T-1000 is chasing them. And then in the second half of the movie, you know, they realize, like, it's not just about saving John. It's how do we stop Judgment Day? Yeah. And they start really kind of going into the background of how, how Cyberdyne starts creating Skynet and... How do we stop Judgment Day from happening by just stopping the events of what creates Skynet? Yeah. And that ends up being kind of a fun, mm-hmm. action-packed kind of part, second half of this movie. Yeah. Where they find out one thing that is really kind of interesting is all the ideas that Cyberdyne is getting to create Skynet is from salvaged pieces of the Terminator that came after her in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, coincidence, is that some sort of weird paradox in time? I don't know, but... I believe that. that. Adds, I, I don't well, think there's anything wrong with that. Well, and, and, and it made for a fun kind of connection to the first movie and a way to... to there's a little bit of commentary there. You mm-hmm. know, you've got... This movie that is pushing the boundaries of technology mm-hmm. with its with its visual effects, but you also have within the story like the idea of what kind of responsibility do we have as engineers mm-hmm. that we do not create something that could destroy us or destroy or kill people like and Alexa. I don't think Alexa is going to destroy us if, unless it. Uh, She's always listening. I'm hoping that people have learned. Um, of course, I'm saying that now, and maybe, like, lightning bolts will come out of my monitor. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely just, responsibility to have with technology. Well, and not... Yeah, not just responsibility. I mean, like, the atom bomb. I mean... Yeah. We decide to drop it and kill, you know, tons of people, and then we never use one again because maybe we've learned... This is fucking scary shit, yeah. you know, but... And again, we have kind of the whole chase scene that we have in the first Terminator where um, Robert Patrick, who really kind of kills it, and this movie launched his career. Oh, yeah. Robert Patrick will always be either the T-1000 or John Doggett from the X-Files to me. That's it. That's all he'll ever be. (laughs) But um, it really kind of launched his career. But we've got that whole kind of chase. He wants to kill John. How do we protect John? And stop Skynet and, you know, everything. But one of my problems with this movie is there's some cheese in this movie that really kind of drives me crazy. 
Um, some of it is Edward Furlong's dialogue. Yeah. It's not how he. It's not his acting. It's just his, some of his dialogue yeah. is really cheesy. And then there's this very there's this aspect of the movie, and they've tried to do this in some of the other Terminators, which I'll get to, where they try to add like a human element to Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Mm-hmm. You know, first they start referring to him, like they refer to him as Uncle Bob. <laughs> you know, and then John spends all this time trying to teach him how to blend in by being more human, like giving high fives, using slang. Yeah. And of course, he gives him some of the cheesiest slang ever. And that's where we get our famous Asta La Vista baby line. So that's probably my biggest negative to yeah. this movie well, is I mean, some of the cheesy dialogue. Well, I mean, Sarah, Sarah also spells out when they're in Mexico and she's looking over it. John and the Terminator interacting, that he is, he having this kind of promise to protect him no matter what, is basically the greatest father figure he's ever had in his life. Right. Because he's never had one. No. No. Can I tell you my opinion about this one versus the first one real quick? Yeah. So, before watching this, I had told you last week that this one was, I preferred T2 over T1. But again, I hadn't seen either of them in a long, long time. And again, I saw T2 before seeing Terminator. Watching it now, John Connor bothers me more. Like, his kind of being a goofy teenager. Just those kind of things get on, get on my nerves a little more. But I can appreciate these movies as being fairly different from each other. You know, you've got... In the first movie... You really just have this unstoppable robot coming to kill two humans. We'll say both Kyle and Sarah are these two humans. So it really feels like while Kyle is incredibly capable and very strong, and again, he was our favorite character, it's also how could they possibly defeat him? In T2, I feel like it's, everyone's better matched. Like, it's more of a fair fight because you have a T-1000 versus a Terminator, plus Sarah has become this amazing... She's brilliant. She's well-equipped. We've already talked about how ripped she was. She's just very... She's more capable than most anyone else who could have been in this situation. And even John. John is also very, very capable... Because she raised him to be that way. So it feels more like you got three very capable people, again, or a team. A small army. Small army versus this ultra, ultra killing machine. So to even compare them is is almost silly because they're very, very different. Like the odds or the stakes involved are very different. I mean, and Sarah was not tough in the first one. She became more capable as it went along, but she really was a damsel in distress for most of that movie. And she's not in this one. So it's, they're very, very different. Um, So I'm not really going to say if I like one of them more than the other anymore. I appreciate them differently now. And, you know, seeing, seeing T2 in the theaters at 14, Mm -hmm. Edward Furlong just seemed like a peer to me. Well, now, right. you know, he's kind of like this... He's kind of goofy. He's kind of goofy. I mean... Yeah. So, anyways, that's that's where I stand on it. I... So there's... 
and and I I think I agree with you. It's hard for me. I go back and forth. Like, I lean towards the original Terminator a little more. I think part of it is because I like the kind of grittiness of it, and it kind of almost feels like a John Carpenter movie to me. Mm. Who I who who I really like, kind of like Escape from um, New York. It kind of has that kind of gritty nature to it, but more a little more up to date. And then Terminator Two with its it's a lot brighter. Mm-hmm. It's got more. It like all the action is bigger. And I guess the best way to can to summarize it is kind of like my feeling about Alien and Aliens mm. is, you know, they're they're very kind of different movies. Yeah. Whereas I do definitely like Alien more than Aliens. It's so close that you know I'm not gonna say I love one dramatically more than the others for T for Terminator and T2 or for and, yeah, yeah both both they're so it's so close that you know I'm not gonna just go eh T2 is nothing compared to the first Terminator but I will do that comparison now for all the other movies well <laughs> just give a brief just give a brief thing for the other movies okay and then I'm going to go into a couple points after that. And I know that I've totally hijacked this episode so far. But um, there's some things I really want to point out. So Terminator, 1984. Terminator 2, 1991. Then we have to go all the way to 2003 where we get Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. And in Claire Danes? This, Claire Danes is in this. And basically the brief... IMDb synopsis. I just copied the IMDb synopsises for all these just so I can get this out really quickly. A machine from a post-apocalyptic future travels back in time to protect a man and a woman, played by Claire Danes, from an advanced robotic assassin to ensure they both survive a nuclear attack. The one thing I like about this movie is it's not about stopping Skynet. And it's more about getting John and Kate, who is played by Claire Danes, safe to lead the resistance later. Because even though in T2 they talk about stopping Judgment Day, in this one they, the kind of theme is Judgment Day is inevitable. You just kind of delay it. And one thing you learn in this movie is that Kate is John's future wife mm. and lieutenant in the resistance. It's not, they don't just go, the Terminator, um, which is our first female Terminator, who is kind of like the T-1000 and kind of like the T-800, where she can make complex machines out of her body, but also change in anyone. So there's that aspect of it. Mm. I watched that one again today, and I hadn't seen it for a while, and it brought up some other questions, which I will bring up in a second. Uh, then in 2009, we got Terminator Salvation, which is a very different movie because this is the only movie in the franchise that actually takes place in the future. There is no time travel in this one. And it's 2018, which is funny because right. it's 2018. It's not 2018 anymore. Um, and in that one, in 2018, a mysterious new weapon in the war against the machines, half-human half machine character played by Sam Worthington comes to John Connor played by Christian Bale mm. on the eve of resistance attack on Skynet 
but whose side is he on? And can he be trusted? So, yeah. So this is, again, this is the only one that fully takes place after Judgment Day. And John is leading the resistance against Skynet, and the person that is being protected is young Kyle Reese. Mm. So that is kind of interesting. Does he know um, he's his dad yet? John knows he's his dad in the movie. He's He knows, like, I have to save him or else I don't exist. That kind of thing. So mm. it, you've got that. How old is Kyle Reese? Like, and does he ever like tell? He's like him? a teenager. He's like so a teenager. Does teenage. he ever tell him? By the way, you're going to be my dad. No, no. And actually, <laughs> there's lots of controversy with this movie because when they signed on Christian Bale, he basically demanded that he play John Connor and that he have a larger role. So they basically had to rewrite the whole movie because Chris, they signed Christian Bale on to be in this movie. Wasn't this also the movie where he caused a lot of problems on set? Like, he had, his temper really got the best of him? I think so. There was lots of, like, drama around yeah. this movie. And then I also, for a very long time, just really hated this movie because they gave away a really big reveal in the trailer. Oh. So um, I hated that. And yeah. I thought it... I, and at that point, I was like... This movie must not be that great if you're trying to give away some of the biggest reveals yeah. in the trailer just to get people to watch it. I hate that. Then in 2015, we got Terminator Genesis, which the synopsis for that is when John Connor, leader of the human resistance, sends Kyle Reese back to 1984 to protect Sarah Connor and safeguard the future, an unexpected turn of events creates a fractured timeline. And basically what has happened is you have the events of the first Terminator, but he can't find Sarah. Sarah finds him because at another point in time, an old, a, a T-800 had been sent back when Sarah was a little kid and then starts protecting her. And so she's already trained like she is in Judgment Day for that one. Who played Sarah Connor in that one? And in that one, we have Amelia Clark, Daenerys Targaryen, playing Sarah Connor. I don't dislike how she's playing Sarah in this movie. It's pretty good. And what Skynet ends up being ends up being pretty cool. Because instead of Skynet being a military-grade kind of computer program to... to control all the nukes and not and stop nuclear war and all this other kind of stuff mm -hmm. it's an operating system that works on your phone and on your computers so when it launches it takes control of all the electronic devices and then that's how it takes control of the world kind of thing so it's and gold, i thought that's golden eye from james bond it's golden eye from james bond or it's um actually i thought golden eye was more of a laser targeting system no, no. we'll watch it someday Okay, but no, it's like um, Windows 10 or Mac OS oh <laughs> or Google Chrome. That's more what it's like. <laughs> so did you, did, then did you finally watch the most recent one? So then, well, that's what started this is because, so basically what happened was on, we watched T2 on Wednesday and then Thursday on my lunch break, I was like, you know what? I really need to watch dark fate 
because it's the it's the most recent one and it has Linda Hamilton in it and I haven't seen it. And how can I like do any kind of comparison? So I watched Terminator Dark Fate and it is very different than the, all the other movies. I heard that it's basically like just watch the first two like I have and then watch that one. Like forget about all the other ones that happened. They they retcon all the sequels. And basically, this is a continuation uh, after T2. Great. Then I don't have and to watch any other ones. You don't really well, have to and, watch it. And this newest one is on demand right now, so I was planning on watching it soon. I would, I, would check, I would check it out. But the thing that's really different in this one and is they're not trying to save John Connor. Fine. And that's, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, because, don't say anything else. Because... I realized that after I did this, I have to rank these movies. Okay. So, for the sake of just how I kind of just feel, it's going to go T1, T2, then T6, the most recent one, then the then Salvation. That's the third and then fourth it, one. That's the fourth one. And then a tie between Terminator 3 and Terminator 5 Genesis. Okay. And... Whew. I know, it's a lot. The main reason why Terminator 3 is at the bottom is because of this terrible thing they do in this movie, which is screw up John's age. And at first I was like, man, Terminator 3 really screwed up John's age. And then I said, well, wait a minute. How old is he in Terminator 2? Okay, so let me ask you. Did you hear the psychiatrist say that she was 29? There was something about him mentioning yes. that. Yes. And was she supposed to currently be 29? Or was she 29 yes. when, when all this? Okay. So, so, so she, she was got, 19 so, in the first movie. There's then no she, way she was 19 in the first movie. Hear me out. Hear me out. When Robert Patrick, the T-1000, gets in the cop car to find John, it shows, it shows his birthday. And he's born February 28th of 1985. Okay. So the movie came out in 1991. So if he, if you're saying that, if the movie took place in 1991, that means he was six. So he's clearly not six. So as I, so I scoured the internet and apparently the movie takes place in 1995, which means he's 10. Which, no way. but see, if he were to be thirteen, that means if he was thirteen, it would be nineteen ninety eight. But Judgment Day is August 29th, ninety seven, in T two. So I, he's I, supposed to be ten. I still challenge that Sarah was only like eighteen or nineteen in the first one. I thought she was supposed to be more like twenty three, twenty four. I you know what? I think it's all a mess. I think it's, it's a mess. It's all and, 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 that bugs and, me because so, honestly, I thought that she would have been pushing forty by the time T two came out because if she was like twenty four, twenty five when she met Kyle, and then John was almost fourteen, fifteen, that would mean she'd be like thirty seven, thirty eight. No, Ugh. no, no, and see, and and it gets really fucked. Well, and it gets really fucked up when you get to T three because in Terminator three. She isn't in the movie because she dies in 1997. So 
apparently after they you know in the in the in the third terminator they talk about how after they stop judgment day she finds out she has cancer and then she stays alive just long enough to make sure judgment day doesn't happen and then she dies like soon after the actual judgment day happens and also in that movie claire danes knows john because they went to junior high together so if if they went to junior high together that means he was like 12 or 13 and they know each other before he meets the terminator so at that point you're thinking oh well then he must have been 13 but wait a minute if he was 13 he couldn't have been 13 if he was born in 1985 okay. so it's all fucked up so i'm going to need to borrow claire dane's um wall of yarn that she uses in homeland <laughs> because what a mess like well it is a mess it. i well, mean because i was looking up i was looking up linda hamilton and her twin sister do you know she has an oh. identical twin her identical twin actually played a role in T2 when they filmed the scene where she's having the dream and she's oh. pounding on that and then there's a young then there's yeah. another Sarah that has a kid on the merry-go-round they actually got her twin to play that part so they could have the two of them interacting and also i'm assuming her sister probably wasn't as ripped as she was so right, she can right. look more like she did back in the day um, yeah. No, I was looking up Linda Hamilton's age, and I saw that she was born in 56. I'm like, okay, 56. This came out in 91. Great. She would be. She was like 35. So that would make sense. No. Ugh. Yeah. No, it is, it is jacked up. And honestly, I thought about this, and I was like, this is really fucked up. I really hate the, the T3, you know, writers and everything for really screwing this up. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, wait a minute. There's no way he – Fucking James Cameron fucked this up. (laughs) So Uh, anyway, anyway, I. What's frustrating about that too is that the timeline is just so imperative in these movies. Period. Because of because of that 1997 Judgment Day. Because they're always flashing forward to 2029. I mean, you'd think that they would lock down ages. Yes. Because I mean, she wasn't. There's no way she would have been 29 in T2. I mean, I was so mad when I heard that. I'm like, whoa, that can't be right. Like, wait a minute, what is he talking about? I, I, I knew that when they... I, I knew that she was supposed to be pretty young. I didn't think she was supposed to be 19. I mean, would she have been able to get into Tech Noir? That's what I'm saying. Not being 21? That's I mean, what I'm saying. I mean, it's really bizarre. Yeah. But... Um, Kind of like we talked about um, when we talked about Jurassic Park. Sometimes directors don't give a shit about continuity or anything like yeah. that. But but you know what? Because we grew up in an age of Back to the Future and and learned from Doc Brown about time travel, and then we had movies like this. Our generation is obsessed with how this shit works. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't pull fast ones about time travel. Um, the only last thing that I, w- I wanted to mention is I'm guessing that this has to be one of my favorite franchises because not only did I bust my ass to watch <laughs> five of six movies, but a few years ago, maybe like five or six years ago, I actually went ahead and watched all of the Terminator um, Sarah Connor Chronicles television show. And wasn't um, that starring Cersei? 
Yes. So you have Daenerys and Cersei, Lena Headley, yeah. both playing Sarah Connor. <laughs> there you go. I mean... Um, Anyone who is a sci-fi fan, or if you really like the Terminator movies, check the show out. It's it's it is not great. Some of the acting is terrible. Was it only? But was it only two? One season? Two seasons? It was like one and a half seasons, maybe two seasons. But um, Cersei has dark hair in it. Yes, and it's long, and and yeah, <laughs> but she um, she play. I mean, it's it's pretty good that um. There's an actor in it who plays the older brother in the television show Parenthood, and he's been in a few other things, but he plays the Terminator that is trying to hunt down John. Peter Krause? Is that his name? Peter Krause? Large forehead? Yes, large forehead. Um, he plays the Terminator going after John, and then Summer Glau, who was in oh, yeah. Firefly, yeah. she plays the, the Terminator trying to protect him. Oh, you know, I remember when that was on. I, yeah. I never watched it, but I remember seeing commercials and stuff like it. I think it, <sighs> it, it. I think it kind of had the same problem that Firefly did, where it was on Fox, and they couldn't figure out when to even show it. Yeah. So it was hard to keep track of, but I found it on demand a few years ago, checked it out. It was pretty good. Um, I was entertained. There were some episodes where I was like, this is stupid, but it was, it was kind of interesting. Shirley Manson from the band Garbage is also in it. Which which is kind of cool. That's cool. So I mean, and again, it to in in that movie or that television show totally obl- you know that takes place after T two and totally says fuck you to T three. So I mean, timelines are screwed up. Life is t- life is hard. The pandemic's going on. What are we gonna do? Yeah. Were they wearing <laughs> anyway. masks, Matt? Were they wearing masks? No, one of them's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> Impervious to Corona. That's right. So anyway. That oh, was Terminator. That what? was the, that was Terminator too. And my and my, I told I took I, I warned Nancy beforehand that I did extra credit. <laughs> Here I'm cramming to do my homework six hours before uh, recording time starts, and he's done extra credit. Well, extra credit only for podcasts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like you'd said, you'd already seen them all anyways, and. You know, I wouldn't have taken that on because they were they would all have all been new to me, so I wouldn't have wanted to. That would have been rough because I had seen them already and yeah. I had already developed fair fair opinions. But then I was like, you know what? I I need before I rank these, I need to kind of rewatch them. And I actually ranked T four higher than I thought I would mm-hmm. because I really like the look of that movie, but there's some things about it that kind of bother me. I also like that so one continuity thing they got right was you have Claire Danes in T3 and then in T4 you have playing the same character Bryce Dallas Howard at least they still got a redhead to play her in both movies. <laughs> Who was was T4 the Christian Bale one? Yes. Okay. So. Ah, boy, what a what a journey we just went on, Matt. I'm sorry, I, I kind of hijacked this, but it's okay. I, I thought I felt my it necessary. movie is much different and much lighter, so it's very you know, different. You know, one thing that I re- that I found out about Point Break that I did not the, know: James the, Cameron produced it. Um, and he was married to Catherine Bigelow. Oh, and he also married Linda, Linda Hamilton at one point. So he this this podcast today, tonight is covering both of his marriages. So. Yeah. 
one last thing about Linda Hamilton. Poor, poor Linda, Linda Hamilton. I believe she also suffers from bipolar disorder, oh. and that that is why there's been some issues with her. You know, you haven't seen her a lot, but um, she comes back in the sixth Terminator, and she is a fucking badass in that movie too. Why I, wouldn't no she doubt. be? Mad? That's why I had to rank that movie so high because yeah. she fucking steals that movie. Point Break, Nancy. Let's talk about that. All right. Well, now that we've gone on this very, very long journey of um, future dystopia, um, we're going to do something very different. We're going to go surfing. We're going to rob banks, go surfing, and jump out of airplanes. Um, That's basically (laughs) the crux of what happens in Point Break. And, guys, I love this movie. I've had the biggest crush on Keanu Reeves ever since I saw this movie. And I think it's a lot of fun. There's, there's some misdirection in it. You know, there's some um, attempts at trying to bust criminals and, you know, going after the wrong criminals at one point. And, I mean, is the dialogue great? No. Uh, <laughs> I am an FBI agent. <laughs> I mean, the dialogue <laughs> is ridiculous. I mean, we, we get another appearance from uh, Lori Petty, which... The two Lori Petty movies I've seen in my life, um, we've now covered um, between this and A League of Their Own. Um, we have get the amazing Patrick Swayze, who is just awesome in this movie. Gary Busey is a lot of fun in this movie. You know, I think you start to see a little bit of his crazy coming out um, in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie is just so much fun. I mean, I feel like... You know, so Catherine Bigelow directed it. You know, one of the few movies that we've talked about that is w- directed by a woman. That's also because... Especially, especially action movies. Yeah. I mean, that is... You don't see a lot of that. It's, it's happening a lot more now. Yeah. But it's in the 90s. Well, in action... Never. Yeah, and, and um, filming surfing the way it was done, I think that was pretty revolutionary. Um, using Steadicam for a lot of the chase sequences... Um, especially like in the thin, like in the narrow alleys, and when you know they're kind of doing a more serious version of the Ferris Bueller chase scene, um, <laughs> running through neighborhoods and in and out of people's houses, and Sm- through- smells delicious. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's not a whole lot to like dive into and talk about with Point Break, other than just, I'm really glad I got to watch it again for the podcast, and it was fun. Seeing it originally, I mean, I remember being on a bit of a high after watching this movie back in 1991, and I've seen it easily ten times, I mean, maybe more. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I was really pissed off when they decided to remake it a few years ago because it just seemed ridiculous to remake this movie. I mean, why? Um, I never saw that remake, and I never will. I will, I, I will let you know that I did not do extra credit and watch that movie. <laughs> have you ever seen it? Um, I have not seen it. No I know interest. that I know that the characters, I believe, are the same. I believe it happens not just, like, in Los Angeles. It's, like, on a global scale. And, like, they do extreme sports kind of stuff. Eh. And not just surfing, I think, is what Boy. it is. So Boring. No, thank you. I, you know what it is, is that... This movie really kind of is like that adrenaline rush kind of movie. But what we see now is like 
a million times, like, ramped up to a thousand comparison. Well, this is not a franchise I think either of us really watch, but basically Fast and the Furious hijacked exactly. Point Break. I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. They, 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 Fast and the Furious is basically adapted around Point Break, period. I've, I've never seen any of those movies. You've never seen any? I've never seen any. Okay, I've seen at least the first one, maybe the second one, but they're not they're not my kind of movies really. I'm not a, I'm not a big car race person and and I've seen enough in previews where I'm so turned off by the whole franchise it's just not for me. I will say this. It's a series of movies that I have decided that I will watch and it's only because at some point, The Rock started being in them, Dwayne Johnson. Hmm. So I will suffer through the ones before he's in them to get to the ones that he's in just so I could watch those. And I, think Kurt, and I think Kurt Russell ends up being in those too. But anyway, Point Break. Point Break. It's filmed beautifully. I mean, it's so fun to see all this, the lush scenery of the waves. And, just, and then you get into the whole like surfer philosophy, which... I know a couple. I've known a couple surfers in life. I'm sure you've probably known some people that surf, and it really is. I mean, if you get them talking about what surfing means to them, it's not that the connection far off. With the connection with the earth and the spirit. Well, I mean, it's not that far off. I mean, in terms of just what a rush it is, and yeah. um, you know, on a personal note, um, I think we've mentioned on the po- oh, you guys all know if you listen to our Lost Boys episode that. Our family likes to vacation in Santa Cruz, and the very first time we ever vacationed there, um, the place we were staying at had a fairly nice view of the ocean, and we got to see plenty of people just, like, hanging out on their surfboards, and I instantly just named them all Point Break, because, especially the ones that weren't doing anything, like, the ones that are just, like, sitting in their wetsuits, just, like, chilling out on the board, and you know they're gonna, like, not... Planning, planning the next bank robbery? (laughs) Maybe, maybe planning the next bank robbery, but, you know, not really doing anything exciting, but we're all, we were all imagining the, uh, the exaggerated stories that they were gonna go back and tell about all the awesome waves that they caught that day. But to this day, we still refer to those idle surfers. Maybe that's a good way to describe them. Just, like, chilling out on their board, not doing anything. Um, we call them Point Break. Um, but, but yeah, this I, I've always really liked this movie. I mean, again, all of the awards it was nominated for and won were MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> <laughs> Keanu Reeves won for Hottest Guy in a movie that year, which I fully endorse that and agree. He gets my vote. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a complicated movie. But I, I, I feel like there was a lot of good adrenaline. There's a lot of, lot of good energy. The pacing is good. Um, we're revisiting um, something that happens kind of early on in Karate Kid. I was thinking about this, where there's, like, a, a little uh, love triangle established on the beach. And then there's... Um, some sports play happening and instead of um, a big giant fight where um, Johnny Utah gets the shit kicked out of him like poor little Daniel's son um, he gets acknowledged as hey that's Johnny Utah he was like the quarterback in the Rose Bowl don't we all know this guy you know he got to get you know get a bunch of new friends so I want to point out something that uh, came up when we rewatched this is 
immediately it's like, you're undercover. Why are you using your regular name? But I'm glad they had that scene because yeah. by having that scene, it, it, it acknowledges the fact that at one point he was a public figure. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if, if so, you're a college football fan. Well, yeah, but yeah. but you don't know if you're going to run into those people or not. Yeah. Um, fans of the of the sport. So if he is just like, oh, no, that wasn't me. It's like, dude, you just destroyed us playing football. We know who you are. Yeah. You can't, he can't have a, like an undercover secret identity at that point. He needs to just kind of be who he is. So having that and scene just leave is out actually, that he Just leave out that he works for the FBI. Right. You know, he can make up some other kind of thing that he's doing. I mean, I think it's actually really important that they have that scene because otherwise you have, it, it leaves a plot hole. Like, how do they, you know, yeah. if they don't have that scene, it would be like, well, wait a minute. Didn't that guy play football when they might maybe know who the hell yeah. he was? Yeah. Punk. Quarterback punk. <laughs> Again, the dialogue is very silly. But I realized, I realized in my rewatch, one of the things I, there's something I used to say, it was part of my vernacular, like through high school, that, that I, and I realized by watching this, I got it from this movie the shit they pull, <laughs> you know. I used, I used to say that all the time. And um, what scene was that again? It's it's the scene when he meets Pappas, and Pappas has the blindfold on. Got he's it. about to jump in the pool, yeah. and he's talking to him like, "Now they've got me matched up with this quarterback punk, you know, rookie guy." And he's like, "The shit they pull." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like that. Um, even though, you know, Bodie, who Patrick Swayze is supposed to be like a criminal mastermind, he's also like so chill. I mean, he never really loses his temper, which I think is kind of unusual with in a movie where there's a lot of crime. Oh yeah, sure he shoots him up at a at one of the bank ro- robberies, you know, towards the very end when things totally go off the rails. But I mean, in general. He's never like in a loud yelling screaming match with with Johnny Utah. I mean, it's always kind of like Not until the end. Yeah, At the end it gets pretty intense. Are you talking about the very end in Australia? Yeah, pretty much just the very end yeah. when he's about to yeah. Yeah, well, cuz he's at cuz he's at the, I mean, it's the chase is finally over. Yeah. But I mean, he really kind of embodies that whole like surfer zen hippie slash anarchist, libertarian, or whatever it is. I mean, there's just this vibe about him. And I feel like he's like a really well-defined character. I mean, he's... He's my, he, he's my favorite character. He's yeah. the most complex character. Yeah. He's... Even though... And, and, and here we go, seeing Patrick Swayze, who you see in, like, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Like, as, like, this heartthrob, and then having then pulling the villain in yeah. this. The, I mean... Yeah, that was one. That was one of the things that made it, it, it my, him my favorite character. Matt, we haven't talked about it yet, but just the year before this was Ghost, where he's yeah, oh he's yeah, Ghost. Yeah. Like he's he is the romantic Lint. lead in that movie. I mean, you you don't do anything but root for him in that movie. So yeah, for them to turn the tables and have I don't him. know, I I was kind of rooting just for Whoopi Goldberg in that movie. Well, we'll discuss it again one of these days. Um, Really? Yes. Really? Yep. Okay. Um, 
But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm very entertained by this movie. I mean, do you like this movie? Oh, yeah. I really like this movie. It's a lot of fun. I, too, was kind of disappointed when I heard they were remaking it. But, say la vie. They want to make money. I mean, what are you going to do? No, I enjoy this movie. It's fun. I mean, it's not like... It, it's not life-changing or anything like that. It's, it's a fun kind of summer movie. It um, changed my life because I got to see a grown-up Keanu Reeves. Oh, and, okay. And have a crush on him for the rest of my life. Well, you know what? Keanu Reeves is great. I mean, he's great. You've got you've got The Matrix. You've got John Wick. You've got him in Bill and Ted's. I mean, he's been he was great in Parenthood. He's great in Permanent Record. He's 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 a well established, you know, really good actor. And he he's so like not into his ego. I mean, yeah. he 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 almost is Bodie in real life. <laughs> and and Point Break put him on the map as an action star because oh, this was like four years before Speed came out. And I don't know, had he not done Point Break, would he have ever been considered for Speed? And if he'd never done Point Break and Speed, would he have ever been considered as Neo? It's I mean, I Point Break being kind of like the the genesis of him being able to branch out and really launching him. Yeah. Really kind of launching him. I mean because before this, it was, you know, Bill and Ted's. It was more like, and, more like and, and, art and, house so was, movies or family movies. I believe he did. Did he do My Own Private Idaho after this? Did he? I think he might have done My Own Private Idaho after this. So, I mean, he was just kind of establishing himself as a versatile actor to where he could do comedy, he could do action, and then he could do drama. And... You know, I think he also kind of wanted to get away from that kind of Bill and Ted kind of dumb surfer kind of thing that he had going, or or uh, his character even in Parenthood, which is actually very sophisticated, but kind of like the loser kind of character. He wanted to get kind of away from that, so. Well, 1991 was a very busy year for him, because five he was in five movies that came out that year, and My Own, private, my own private Idaho came out two weeks after Point Break. Wow. So, so he he was he was also in uh, Dangerous Liaisons, which is a great movie. And, you know, it's a period piece, which you don't really think of Keanu Reeves and period pieces. But uh, well, he he did he did mistakenly do that period piece that involved vampires that came out soon after this movie that Bram he did Stoker? not Yeah, he didn't really do a great job in that movie. It's okay. But he tried. He tried. <laughs> it's, it's fun to watch him no matter what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's got a good how many he's got a hundred and six acting credits. Yeah. I mean he's I just think he's so great. And of course, Patrick Swayze and Gary Busey is he still with us? Pappas. Gary Busey, I believe, is still alive. Now I it feels it. Hold on, I got it right here. He is still alive. Oh, never mind. Gary Busey's still alive. Patrick Swayze unfortunately, passed a few years ago. Very sad. Um, but he had a great body of work, too. And, you know, I don't know of a single movie of his that I dislike. So, I mean, both these guys are great to watch. They've got great... I think they got great chemistry. I think it's a lot of fun to see them interact. And, um, I mean, Lori Petty, eh. But I like that she is very... Yeah. T- I like that she's very tomboyish. And she's kind of tough and you know it's fun that she's the one that teaches him how to surf and 
yeah. um, gets to kind of make fun of him as he's screwing up. But this movie also has uh, Anthony Kiedis in a very yes. small role. Red Hot Chili Peppers Anthony Kiedis gets his foot blown off. That was great. He screams Tom, like... Crazy Tom Sizemore as like an undercover DEA oh, yeah. agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, it's so much can be said about this movie, but... It's a lot of fun. I love that they, like, the whole way that they rob the banks, too, you know, yeah. is they're in and out in under 90 seconds. They've got the the, the ex-president's masks on and everything like that. I mean, it, the whole look and everything of that is so great. And that whole, pr- like, calling themselves the ex-presidents and having that mask on kind of plays into Bodhi's whole, like, we're not just trying to get money so we can surf. This is us against the system. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of whole okay. thing is kind of fun. Point of order here, though. So, we have now been living in a living in a time where we're all wearing masks when we're out in public or face to face, so you know, socially distancing, in person or whatever. Just the basic cloth masks that we're wearing are not super comfortable. I cannot imagine how anyone can be wearing a Halloween mask and run like the equivalent of three or four miles in that chase. That. Yeah, it was after a bank robbery when stupid Pappas was more interested in his Calvin and Hobbes and meatball sandwiches than looking up to see the car, the Lincoln show up and the Forex presidents run in. You know, here Johnny Utah is like, uh, did you look at that car? Did you see who's in it? No. And here they come out. So in this incredible chase scene through downtown L.A. takes place. But then once Johnny Utah catches up and he and um, Bodie have a foot chase, Bodie is running around for like, like I said, I think it's like three or four miles with that Halloween mask on. You cannot tell me that he wasn't dying. If your life is on the line, I think that you would probably go as far as keeping that mask on, especially if getting your, uh, you know, being caught was in jeopardy. Anyway, so so you you don't you're not you don't think it's as much of a stretch as I do. Not really. I mean, I just think it would be hard to run with those. I agree it would be hard to run with those masks on, but, I mean, if you're a criminal... And and let's be honest, I have a feeling that for a lot of those scenes, and, and t- except for the ones where you definitely see Johnny Utah's face, those are stunt doubles. I'm not, I'm not talking <laughs> and, about, and, like, and... the actual logistics <laughs> of filming. I'm talking about, like, the plausibility of someone wanting to run around and, like, the, as fast as they possibly can. If you can't give up your identity, then why would you? And then also because they they knew who Johnny, who Johnny, who Keanu Reeves was. They knew Johnny Utah, so they don't want to give up their, their power within that relationship by revealing who they are. So by... Bodhi not just admitting that that's him, he can pl- do that whole play, you know, yeah, we get to the next scene. We get to the next scene. But, but he so. didn't, but Johnny Utah did know it was them. Yeah, he, he had a very good idea. And you know why he knew? It was because he was watching the four of them surfing, and one of them decided to moon the other. And that was yeah. the move when the guy left the bank, you know, left the scene of the crime decides to pull his pants down with the words thank you written on his butt cheeks. So that guy don't, is doing that while surfing, and Lori Petty you know, says, oh, you look like you've seen a ghost. And then it cuts back to Gary Busey. 
they're ghosts. They're ghosts. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wheel-turning moment there. Okay, buddy, you're like Gregory House figuring this out. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. What other, what other comments do you have about this movie, Matt? I was going to go on about Lori Petty, but Why pick I'm not going to... I'm not going to pick on her. She's just not one of my favorite actors, and I'm not going to really play into that. I just have, I've always been entertained by this movie. It's not, like I said, you're not, like, it's not hard to think about. There's not a lot of, like, twists and turns in this movie. It's a fun summer movie. Um, the only other thing I'd say about it is... Um, in watching this movie, in flashing back to, like, my childhood, I was thinking about, like, what other surfing movies did I watch as a kid? And the only one I can think of is it's not quite on the line, same, like, line as Thrashin', but Uh-oh. there was a movie called North Shore that I watched, mm. and it's about um, this young surfer who surfs in Arizona, <laughs> you know in like a wave pool and then goes to hawaii and then like learns like the true meaning of surfing mm. and falls in love and all this other kind of stuff and it wasn't like a super high budget movie but i remember seeing it on like hbo or something like that mm. and uh you could look that up but that i was i'm trying to think of like other surfing movies and that's the only other one i can think of that i watched growing up um surfing's involved but it's not the main focus but um, like fast times at ridgemont high i mean sean penn's character is a yeah but you never surfer. see him but you never see him surfing yeah. you know he's just a surfer yeah. i mean there's not a there's not a ton out there that involves surfing but was you that know, did it, valley girl have any surfing i haven't seen that in 30 years uh no i don't think so i mean there's just not a lot of movies that have that and i don't know if it's because i mean and I'm talking about, like, movies we grew up watching. I mean, there's all those, like, beach movies from, like, the 50s and 60s, but, you know, count. that doesn't count. We didn't really watch those anyways. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I don't even know how much actual surfing was in those movies either. It was probably just, like, people on boards in, like, a studio with, like, a fake beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, growing up in California, we like to go to Santa Cruz and, like, Surfing has always been something that I've always kind of, like, been fond of. I've never really done it or had the desire to really get on out in the ocean and do it. But I relate a little bit to it, and I really kind of admire the sport and everything. So yeah. getting to watch surfing, even if it's on, like, the scale that it is in this movie, which... You know, is not huge. I mean, there's probably a total of maybe 15 minutes of surfing in this movie, if that. It's still kind of cool. And, and and it was filmed. I mean, the the filming of it was so neat, though. I mean, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you didn't feel tortured rewatching Point Break. No, and um, it's a lot of fun. It's a good movie. Yeah. I actually fit this in with the, uh, doing all my extra credit. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the assignment, so. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I, and I think just for shits and giggles, I do really want to, you know, if I can find it somewhere, even if I have to just, like, start watching it on my phone to watch the remake of it, just to kind of get, like, see what the fuck they were doing. But this movie, as far as I'm concerned, is like a classic for our generation. And anyone who grew up in the 90s 
probably has this movie on like a list of movies that they watch all the time. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I, I'll say I'll say this about what I'm speculating the remake is about. I feel like they're gonna try in, in a remake. They're going to make the stakes, like you said, if it's gonna be global instead of just like the surfing towns that they're in. It's going to fight against, like, the meaning of what they were doing. Like, look, they were robbing banks to fund their summer. Like, they weren't robbing banks because they wanted to drive around in, like, fancy Lamborghinis or, you know, to, like, fund some, like, ultra high-priced lifestyle. I mean, they were doing it so they could just be chill and spend most of their time surfing. That's why, towards the end when they force Johnny Utah to rob a bank with them, and then they go off book and decide, oh, we're going to also go to the vault, which is something they never did. They usually just got whatever cash was in the drawers and left. That's why things got all wonky, because they used to just keep it very simple. I feel like in a remake, they're going to overcomplicate the crime and kind of leave behind what the feel of the original one is because i feel like you watch the first one the the original and you get this like you're like in this zone like you're in you've got this vibe going on this kind of like spiritual vibe of what it means to be a surfer i really feel like the whole reason why bodhi starts going against their normal practice because of the enhanced adrenaline of having you know, he's sitting there trying to get, like, the ultimate rush and everything yeah. to live life and feel what it is to live life. And now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, we're going to do this one last job, and we're going to get out of here. And they have all their shit packed up. And then it's like, well, we got caught. How can we do this again? But now we've got now we've got an FBI agent involved and all this. How do we... Now, now it's like the rush yeah, is new. So how do we, how do, how do we, but how do we make this even more intense? And I think that that's kind of, kind of what he was looking for, and it and it backfires on him because he loses three guys in his crew, you know. Yeah. And yeah, he gets all the money and everything like that, but all of that ends up being minimal at that point, and he went from being a bank robber to be being in a you know, a murderer, you know, by killing a cop and, and a security guard and everything. And, and all of that was not because he needed money. It was because of the rush. He didn't need the, he didn't even need to rob that, that bank with Johnny Utah. He could have just kidnapped, kidnapped Tyler. They go skydiving and (laughs) blackmail him to make sure he gets out. They didn't even need to do that last bank job, but well, I they think do. I think he I think at that point that was Bodie's test to see how much does um, Johnny care about Tyler. Like, if was he was he willing to sacrifice her? Yeah, I think that was really the the biggest part. True, but also I think it was part of trying to also convince him that the straight life that he's living isn't really for him he's actually one of them you know which is part of the whole like thing at the end when you know he finally arrests him and then he's just like at the storm and then he just kind of lets him go because he knows he's not going to survive surfing that and then he throws his badge away like 
there's something about and like he even says to him, "You still surfing?" And he's like, "Yeah, every day." So there's something there's something about his um, the lifestyle that he's taken on that he connects with more than his federal agent lifestyle. Yeah, and and if it wasn't for that that moment where he gets taken on this journey at the end with the bank robbery and then jumping through a, out of a plane to save the woman he loves and all that, then Bodie really kind of did him a favor and pushed him over the edge by doing that. Yeah. Yeah, he fucked up his knee and <laughs> almost got his woman killed and he got his partner killed, but, you know. Yeah, that knee injury really did come... They, they, they made sure we knew about that knee injury a few different times. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So. Well, cool. Well, so much fun. Definitely summer movies. Yeah, so I want to thank everyone for listening. I know I rambled on a lot in this episode, so I, I appreciate it if you stuck stuck around yeah, to this point. Yeah, you got to listen to the point break part, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt did kind of give me a, you want to talk about point break second? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I warned you. Without knowing. But, without knowing what his extra credit was. Yes, that's true. I, I do like to... Um, surprise me. Surprise, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I, I, it's, I'm, I'm like Bodie. You know, I'm just banging on your door in the middle of the morning. We're about to go skydiving, Nance. Oh, Let's jump into this podcast. Yeah, I'm never going to do that, so please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Don't worry. So, um, anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, don't forget to follow us on and uh, rate us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to us. You know what? This is still a lot of fun to do. Yep. We've got some more movies coming up for a long time. So, yep. uh, keep on listening. Keep on staying in touch. If you have any questions or want to make any comments, definitely, you know, you can email us at fightingwithavcrgmail.com. Uh, check out our... Facebook, our Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Tell us we're stupid. Tell us Don't you agree tell with us. us. We're hey, people might disagree. I'm open for debate. I mean, I fight with you on this show. I can fight with with our listeners. <sighs> <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, everybody. We really appreciate it. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And this has been Fighting Over the VCR. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. <laughs>